Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, when the risen Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Reasonably enough, Saul wondered who this might be. He said, well, who are you, sir? The answer came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Well, Saul had been persecuting these newly born Christian churches in Jerusalem, and he was heading off to persecute one in Damascus. He'd never met Jesus. He'd heard about him, I suppose. He never met him. And yet this strange comment, Saul, Saul, you are persecuting me. It tells us something very important about our ecclesiology, our understanding of the church. The church is not just a collectivity of like-minded people, not just a club and an organization. The church is, and Paul himself developed this metaphor out of this experience, the church is the very body of Jesus. That's why in persecuting the church, he was persecuting Jesus himself. The church and Christ coincide, co-inhere to that degree. Something very similar is on display in our famous gospel now that closes the liturgical year. This passage from the 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel. Jesus anticipates the great and terrible day when he will stand as judge of the living and the dead. Judge of all the nations, separating the sheep from the goats. And we know those terrible and familiar words. He tells the righteous that they had cared for him. When he was hungry, they gave him food. When he was thirsty, they gave him drink. When he was a stranger, they visited him Puzzled, they ask, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, you did for me. It's the same idea. Jesus is so identified with his church. He is the head, the church is his body. He's so tied to his body, the church, that when we serve the least member of the church, we serve the neediest among us, we are in fact in a disguised way serving him. And then, of course, the terrible flip side of it. And to those on his right, those who are accursed, Out of my sight, you evildoers. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was stranger, you did not welcome me. And the same principle applies. 
when we fail to do these basic things to the least of our brothers and sisters, we fail to serve Christ. The king identifies with the least of his people. To serve him is to serve them. To serve them is to serve him. Do you know the story of Peter Morin? Peter Morin was born in May of 1877 in the south of France. He was one of 23 children. He was educated as a young man by the Christian brothers, and they moved him very deeply. And what they awakened in him was a deep sense of his social obligation, that the gospel obliges the believer to care for the least in the society. In 1909, Peter Morin left France. He sailed to North America. Settling in Canada for a time, then he began to wander, especially around the western provinces of Canada. He had resolved to live a Franciscan life. I don't mean a member of the Franciscan order. I mean to live a life in the spirit of St. Francis, in simplicity, in radical poverty, doing physical labor, working with the simplest and poorest people he could find. And so he wandered around, grabbing a meal when he could, finding a bed when he could, doing manual labor. Sometimes when his money got too short, he'd give French lessons to raise a little money for himself. If he ever had the slightest surplus in money, he'd give it away to those who were in greater need. Peter Morin lived this life for about 20 years. And in the process, during that period, he began to formulate a social and religious philosophy. And his philosophy had a great deal to do with this passage from Matthew 25. Here's what Peter Morin began to speculate about. For most people, religion is a private, interior, spiritual matter. God, prayer, the liturgy, the spiritual life, that's private, interior stuff, which has nothing to do with sociology, with economics, with politics. But that, Peter Morin concluded, was nonsense. That was inimical to the gospel and inimical to the best of the Catholic tradition. Because faith is meant to inform every aspect of life. More to it. If Matthew 25 is right, you can't love the Lord Jesus without loving and caring for, in a very concrete way, the neediest among us. You can't. If you say, I love the Lord, but I'm indifferent to the economic plight of the poor. I love the Lord, but I could care less about politics. You're out of step with Matthew 25. You're out of step with this radical teaching. It began to dawn on Peter Morin during those long 20 years wandering around Canada, living a simple Franciscan life. It began to dawn on him that this gospel was dynamite. Dunamis is the Greek word. Paul uses it all the time. It means power. It means power. The gospel is power for what? Not just the transformation of your interior life. But the gospel is also power for the transformation of the world, socially, politically, economically. The problem is, he said, 
Most religious people have taken that dynamite and they placed it in containers and put a lid on the containers and sat on it. Most of us don't know the dynamite, the power we're dealing with in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Morin proposed not what the communists and socialists of the time were proposing, a radical social revolution. He proposed a personalist revolution. What he meant was, we must begin now, on our own, rebuilding society from within, by living now the implications of this gospel, Matthew 25. Here's one of his lines. The future will be different only if we Christians make the present different. That's good, isn't it? If we dream of a more just society, we dream of a peaceful society, a better ordered society, well, start living it now, we Christians. The future will be different only if the present is different. How about this line? We have a society of go-getters. The idea is right now to start a society of go-givers. People that know how to give. How about this? What we give to the poor for Christ's sake is what we carry with us when we die. We won't carry any of the goods of this world with us when we die. We just won't. Our degrees, our titles, our money, our power, our privilege in this world, we won't carry it with us when we die. But... What we give to the poor, we will. That will be treasure in heaven. Central to all this for Peter Morin, and it comes right out of Matthew 25, central for him was the practice of the corporal works of mercy. Listen again where they come from. I was hungry, and you gave me food. A corporal work of mercy? Feed the hungry. Not waiting for the government to do it, by the way. You do it right now. There are hungry people that you know. You, at your own cost, feed them. I was thirsty. You gave me to drink. That's a corporal work of mercy. There are thirsty people in the society. You do something now to help them. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Especially in the America of Peter Morin's time, the 1920s and 30s, there were lots of strangers, lots of immigrants, lots of of neglected and marginalized people. What are you doing about them? He asked. What are you doing? You, concretely, at a cost. I was in prison. You visited me. That's a corporal work of mercy, to visit the imprisoned. Have we done it recently? At all? Ever? In this way, he thought, we would start this personalist revolution. The building of a new society from within. In 1932, Peter Morin had wandered his way to New York City, living in the Bowery and flop houses and so on. And he met a woman named Dorothy Day. I've spoken of her before to you. Dorothy Day was a spiritual searcher, newly converted Catholic, trying to find a path that would bring together her faith and her social commitment. She met Peter Morin and it changed her life. Because Peter Morin explained this philosophy of his to her. And he said, here's what we have to do. With your journalistic and writing skills, we have to start a newspaper. And then we have to open these houses of hospitality, first in New York and then other cities. And at these houses of hospitality, we will do the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. 
We will feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, we'll clothe the naked, we'll instruct the ignorant, we'll counsel the doubtful, we'll pray for the living and the dead. Well, that's what they did. Dorothy Day and Peter Morin found the Catholic Worker Movement. The paper, the Catholic Worker, that exists to this day. The houses of hospitality are now all over the world. You can find them in most major cities in America. And that's where they practice the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Peter Moran, toward the end of his life, was often asked to give lectures and talks around the country. He had very little money, of course. He'd get on some very cheap train, he'd travel across the country, and there'd be a committee there to meet him, to bring him to the place of, of where the talk would be. But he would have arrived maybe a little bit early, and he'd be curled up on a bench, looking every inch like a street person. And the committee would be there looking for the famous Peter Morin. And suddenly he would wake up from his nap and say, well, I'm the one you're looking for. By the very end of his life, it got so bad that they would pin a little sign on him when he left. And it said, I'm Peter Morin, founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, because no one could recognize him. He continued all his life to live this radical gospel. Now, Christians, here's my question to you and to me. What if we took this gospel as seriously as Peter Morin did? What if we took this gospel? Whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do to me. What if we believed in our bones that we cannot love Jesus Christ without loving the poorest, the most hungry, the most destitute? His wager is, We'd revolutionize our own lives, yes. But more than that, we would begin the revolutionizing of our society. It starts now. It starts with you and with me in the simplest way, following the directives of Matthew 25. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.